first time, scientists have recorded specific brain activity associated with chronic pain. It shows that the condition, which is thought to impact one in six New Zealanders, is quite different to short-term pain. It's processed in a whole different region of the brain. Neurologist and lead researcher Prasad Shervalka Shervalka is with us now from San Francisco. Prasad, hello. Hello, how are you? Good, nice to talk to you. Um, Tell me a bit about this research. How did you do it? Yeah, it's nice to be on, and thanks again for the opportunity. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, so so chronic pain is it's a huge issue, right? And uh, uh, up until now, I guess the kind of the context is that most researchers or scientists who uh, who study pain have studied it in in a laboratory or you know or, or in an experimental context where, frankly, they they apply pain or they. You know, they they uh, give like pain stimuli to healthy people and try to understand what happens in the brain. So we had the the unusual, or I should say, the rare opportunity to actually study brain signals related to true, real world chronic pain um, in in a cohort of uh, four patients. Uh, the, the patients were enrolled in a clinical trial that uh, I'm running in conjunction with a couple of neurosurgeons at. University of California, San Francisco, where the main goal of the trial is to try to develop brain stimulation therapy for for treating you know nerve pain or mm. neuropathic pain when nothing else works. So, so it's really a therapy of, of last resort uh, because uh, while we have brain stimulation therapy for for diseases like Parkinson's disease or or even epilepsy, you know pain is is much poorly understood. And so we used a device, a special brain stimulator device that's also capable of recording. Uh, so if not only can we you know, pass current to, to hopefully treat them, but we can actually capture electrical signals in the brain of when patients are at home going about their lives. So what, what we did is these four patients, um, three of them had a stroke and had horrible post-stroke pain. And one of them actually uh, had phantom limb pain uh, after an amputation above her knee. Um, And so these patients had these electrodes implanted in two regions of their brain that are relatively new or unstudied in in chronic pain, at least. And uh, we followed them for up to six months. They gave us up to three times a day or four times a day they gave us reports of their pain. So they're mm. telling us the zero to 10, you know, how much does it hurt? They're giving us qualities like uh, how burning is it? How stabbing is it? And other kind of measures. And what we did is every time they gave us a report, they triggered a remote control, which captured a 30 second snapshot, like a recording wow. uh, from their electrical brain activity. And we basically, we, we used machine learning tools to try to, use only the brain activity to predict their ultimately their pain measures that they were reporting. And we found that we could actually, with high accuracy, predict the actual pain levels within each person using signals from a part of the brain known as the orbitofrontal cortex. It's kind of right above your eye, behind your forehead. So you began with them telling you when they were sore and you watched what those brain signals were doing and then eventually you were able to look at the brain signals and predict what pain they were experiencing. Exactly, yeah. So we, we had a very, you know, it's, it's one of the most novel things about this study, I think, is 
you know, up until very recently, we didn't have the, the technology wasn't available to actually record brain signals, you know, at home or, or in, in people's regular lives. Um, most studies of the brain, this is for almost every disease, you know, requires patients or people to come into a laboratory mm -hmm. and you get, you go into a scanner or you have an EEG or like a cap put on your head where they record signals. But, but because of this technology that's now all, actually it's commercially available in, in, uh, in one device and soon to be available in another device. Uh, you know, we, we were able to actually capture these amazing uh, recordings in, in the wild, so to speak, you know, and so, so it, it was really true to what the, the, the patients were experiencing at home. Did the findings surprise you or did you see what you expected to see? You know, uh, as a scientist, I'm always very skeptical. And even though we were hopeful, we never had to put this when something works when something is decodable or when we think we detect a signal we never believe it you know and and so in that sense yes they absolutely surprised me we tried very hard to, to kind of prove ourselves wrong and to, to demonstrate to try a bunch of things to prove that it we weren't actually measuring what we thought we were measuring but when we tried it uh we tried like four different machine learning models we tried to predict the exact number you know zero through ten that was a bit harder, but then we we said, all right, you know, why don't we actually break up their pain into low pain states and then high pain states? And when you were predicting a kind of binary, or a, I should say, like, a, yeah. uh, you're predicting yeah, low pain, high pain. That way, um, we could do much better. And so, once we the full picture came together, I started believing it. But we were certainly surprised and and you know pleasantly surprised that, that hopefully so this therapy, yeah. Yeah. What's the significance then of the finding? I think you're about to tell me that. Why does it matter? Yeah, you know, um, well, obviously chronic pain is a big problem. Even like when you fundamentally, when you have any experience out in the world, and you're happy, if you're sad, you experience pain. Uh, it's it's such a it's such a how do I put it? It's such a, a indescribable feeling, right? There's there's literally it's completely subjective, and so getting in objective measure, something that we could actually quantify, put a number on to how what somebody's experiencing inside, that itself, I think, was remarkable. And then, you know, number two, uh, the hope is, you know, this is only for patients, but but if we can actually generalize this to, to other, to, to in a larger study, to more patients or even other diseases, the hope is, you know, one, we can actually help diagnose people much earlier because right now chronic pain Usually in, in two-thirds of cases, it goes misdiagnosed for almost a year before people are, are you know, find some kind of treatment. Number two, even when treatment doesn't help, it, 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 uh, the hope is that what we're trying to do is create a sort of thermostat for, for pain. That is, if we can measure when people's pain levels in their brain are, are going up or going down, we could ideally program a brain stimulator to apply some electricity just when they need it to to prevent the pain from climbing and not provide stimulation otherwise uh kind of like a thermostat would respond in mm. real time to temperature in in a room yeah. does that work when you apply that electrical current to that part of the brain does that work to um to help with the pain no that's a great question right so is is it uh is this just like a uh, how to put a side product or is this just like a, a marker that we're predicting or yeah is it actually fundamentally if you change the marker does it change their pain mm. uh 
I don't have an answer, but I can tell you we're, we're actually in the process of testing that right now. And uh, I, I, all I will say is that it, it's pretty encouraging. Um, but, you know, it's, it's taken four or five years even to work out the, the basics of how to apply it. Gosh. What would you say to people listening who have chronic pain um, in terms of what the next few years might hold for them? Yeah, you know, I would say certainly I feel for you. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm a pain physician. I treat many people. And, um, yeah, I, I commiserate. It's, it's extremely difficult, I think, living with a this chronic pain because it affects your relationships it affects your your mood and your you know even your ability to cope and i would say there's hope even if you're trying things and they haven't worked uh you know you don't have to resort to brain stimulation Uh, i think in the next five to ten years whatever we're discovering and others are discovering will will lead to better therapies that are not invasive you know where you hopefully don't need to have something inserted in your brain. Um, but th- there's definitely hope that, that better drugs and, and better uh, uh, kind of safe therapies are being developed, uh, I would say, in our lifetime. You may have um, mentioned this, but I often hear from people who complain that they feel pain, but if there's no evidence for the pain, it's sometimes hard to convince their medical professional that um, exactly what they're going through. Might this help with that as well? Might it give you the opportunity to actually point to something and say, look, it's not all in my head, or, well, literally it is in your head, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It, uh, 100%. You know, I, I, I'm really hoping that in a way, the objective biomarkers help to validate what patients are going through, you know, and, and with the important caveat, you know, this is, we're just scratching the surface, right? This, this is quite literally, I think, the, the, the first kind of inkling that, okay, it's a proof of concept. We can do this. The biomarkers or the signals we discovered probably are not the best ones that exist. They're going to get better. You know, if we're, we're going to be able to do this, at, like I said, with less invasively, but also probably uh, uh, with better accuracy. And so hopefully when patients are, you know, you can't see it on their body. Most people in pain, you can't see it on their face. Hopefully whatever you're telling your doctor, the doctor will be able to verify through testing. And uh, I think that would just be amazing, you know, because it would hopefully, hopefully help patients feel more heard. Uh, thank you very much for the work you've done in this area. Look forward to hearing uh, what you do next. Uh, can I just check, because I butchered it on the way through, Shivalka? Yeah, actually, I, I'm impressed. You said that just right. Man. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Prasad, yeah. thanks so much. Nice to talk to you.